We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. That's an invitation today for you to allow God to come and just saturate you, fill you, that your cup flows over. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty today. I'm weary today. I just need His presence. If I don't hear another word, sing another song, pray another prayer today, I need His presence. I need His touch today. Praise God. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship today. I was just thinking about something. This is not my message today, but I was just thinking about something, so I turned to it on my way this morning. Paul's talking in the book of Romans, chapter 15. He says, let me ask a question first. Is there anybody here of Jewish descent? You're, you're of Jewish descent here today. We've got not of true Jewish descent, not grafted in. Chapter 15, verse 7 says this, Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto our fathers. He's talking about the promises that were made unto the Jewish fathers. And, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. All of a sudden, He turns to the Gentiles and He says, even though the promises were made to our fathers, those that came before us, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thee thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles. You understand that if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. A Gentile is a non Jew. Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall reign, rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Do we realize as Gentiles, do we really realize as Gentiles where we are in God? We should be rejoicing, praising, worship, lauding the name of the Lord. Because we as Gentiles, a grafted in people, now can worship and honor and glorify and magnify the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. That was number one. That one's free. This one's going to cost you. Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. It's good to see everybody here this morning. You know what? This hasn't seemed like summer, has it? Hadn't been hot enough. I'm not, listen, I, no, I'm not asking the Lord for 100 degrees. Y'all don't get upset with me. Just hadn't been hot enough yet. Last week it got a little warm in here, didn't it? Feels cool, doesn't it? Feels good. There was a time when you came to church when it was a brush arbor. There wasn't even fans. Just the heat of the day, a little bit of shade, and a lot of preaching. So we're blessed today. Romans chapter 2. I'm sorry, Judges chapter 2. I'm stuck in Romans for some reason. 
Let's read verses 8 through 15. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in the Timotheres and in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also all the generation were gathered unto their fathers. So you know what that means. All that generation, which one? Joshua's generation were gathered unto their fathers. Do you know what that means? They all died. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were around about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Whew, what a story. Wow. I want to talk to you today about generations. Generations. Romans 15 and 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. This story we read today is just not a story. It's just not a historical fact. It's not something that happened to just the Jews. It was written for us to learn from it. That we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. The purpose of reading this story is so that we learn something from it that gives us hope. Man, talk about a people that at this point have no hope. They turned on God and God turned on them. Now, it's one thing to turn on God. But when God's anger is hot against you, well, that's not good news. Let's say it, say it that way. Joshua, the leader of Israel, had died. And as well, his entire generation died off with him. A new generation arose in Israel, and it says they knew not the Lord. They didn't know, even know the Lord's work that he had done for his people. They did evil in God's sight, and they served Balaam, a false god. This provoked the anger of the Lord against them. And verse 13 says, They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Or Ashtoreth is probably the better pronunciation. They were then sold into the hands of their enemies as God's anger continued to bring action against them. So a generation, as we look in Scripture, many people have tried to define a generation. Is it 40 years? Is it 20 years? Is it 50 years? Is it... 70 years, many people have tried. But if generally when you look at generations, what you look at is it's an age that identifies a certain people in a particular time frame. Generations a lot of times don't have a number to them because, you know, in Noah's day, they lived a little longer than they did in David's day, who lived a little longer than our day. So understand that a generation is actually a period of time. and It's an age. It's a period of time that identifies the people with a particular time frame. And, and it usually has two fundamental characteristics, that particular generation. It usually covers that period of time. And some say that that time takes for that group to be born and then for them to produce children. So a lot of people will say that generations is just 
I, my generation is I had enough time for me to be born, grow up, and then have children. That's a generation. That's how a lot of people look at generations. But we're not concerned with that. We're just concerned with generations. The second part of it is that members of the, any given generation will always experience a significant event in their lifetime at the same time that they're living. Every generation that you read about in history had a significant event. It constantly happens. It constantly rotates through humanity. So let's just take a quick look in America. The generation that I, we think of as traditionalists, that generation that we call the greatest generation, your parents, a lot of you, and my parents, a lot of you, parents that fought in World War II, they were born between 1900 and 1945. That generation is about totally gone. There's very few left that, have, that meet the criteria of that generation. They went through World War I. They went through World War II. They went through the Korean War. They, they saw the end of women's rights movement. They were, many of you probably don't understand or know this, the Red Scare. Uh, you know, I won't go through a long, the Red Scare, we, the Russian Scare. And then they came into the radio age. That's, that, that, that was what we would call a traditional, why do we call it a traditional generation? Well, first of all, they had just survived the Great Depression, and, and it last made a lasting impression on them. You know, they were raised in traditional family style. The traditional the traditionalists had a traditional family style. It was a married man and woman, and they had children, and work was very necessary in their generation. It wasn't fun. You know, we try to make work fun, don't we? That's, that's kind of what we do today. We want work to be fun so we can endure it. But that generation didn't see work as fun. It, seemed, it was a necessity. We had to feed our family. And so work became a necessity. It never was fun. Then, then after that generation came actually my generation, the baby boomers. The baby boomers are that generation born between 1946 and 1964. Uh, and they were called baby boomers for a particular reason. Right after World War II, almost nine months to the exact date after World War II was the cry of many babies in America. I guess the people that fought the war were very happy the war was over. The men were glad to get home. The women were glad their husbands were home. And the world was happy because the world was over. And so the baby boomers, there was a massive amount of children born during that time. Uh, but this is the same time when the traditional family began to fall apart. In the time the baby boomers were born, divorce rates skyrocketed. If there were two parents, mom stayed at home and dad was the breadwinner because they still believed that the children needed that attention from one of the parents at home. That's the baby boomer generation. The suburban life flourished. Sur suburbia really grew. And we, what we know is farmland began to shrink. Not the land, but the populace. They went through the civil rights movement. Our, we as baby boomers went through Vietnam, the Cold War with Russia, and the start of the space age and space travel. Boomers became known as the me generation. We became known as the me generation. Greedy, materialistic, and very ambitious. Our generation went through some very disagreeable wars. If you were, I was a kid during Vietnam, but I still remember the riots and the, the card burnings and all, you know, the stages that came to, to our capital and all those things. And there was such a political upheaval and political disagreement. Uh, there was also in the 60s the hippie generation. You know, does it, anybody remember the hippie generation? I remember it. 
Yeah, where I grew up, you were either a cowboy or a hippie. You were either one of these rednecks that wore a hat and boots and pants that had these creases all the way down the middle, or you were a hippie. You had long hair and, you know, mustache. You know, back then, cowboys wouldn't wear a mustache. They thought that was a little off base. Uh, hippie generation. There was free love, free drugs, free sex. That was the baby boomer. Very anti-government. My generation was very anti-government and believed in the buy now and pay later system. Yes, that's where you got it from. You're welcome. Our generation started this buy all of it now, pay for it later. And look where it's gotten to us as a nation, as a people. Where are we at now? The most indebted nation in the world. Baby boomers invented the 50-hour work week. Up until then, it was the 40-hour work week due to the union having been started in the previous generation. But we invented the 50-hour work week and often worked 60 hours. That's the baby boomers. Baby boomers were all about self-worth, self-identity, all about self. Then came another generation called Generation X. Generation X, born between 1965 and 1980. They were born to the boomers who were workaholics who had to learn how to balance their life between work and work and regular personal life. They, they also learned that, and again, I guess this would be my girls. This would be Daniel's here today, my son-in-law. This is my, so I'm just trying to put a spot on, not, no pressure, just, just trying to put a, Austin, putting a Generation X. They, they had to learn to take care of themselves because the boomer parents normally both were working. That's what happened at the end of the boomer generation. We, we were all working. And so the husband and the wife worked, and that left the children to be at home by themselves. They became the first generation to be known as daycare generation. Before that, daycare wasn't part of our society. But because of the boomers, the next generation became the daycare generation. Again, there were high divorce rates during this generation. The family dynamic changed in a huge, huge way. They also saw struggle in the workforce with many parents. Many of these saw boomer parents being laid off, losing their jobs, this generation. They lived through Watergate scandal, energy crisis. You know, I can remember when the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. President Carter made the speed limit in America 55 miles an hour in the 70s. Not only that, if your license plates ended with an even number, you could buy gas on an even day. If it ended at an odd number, you could buy gas on an odd day. But if it was the opposite, you couldn't buy gas that day. So you know what Pastor Don did. He got five five-gallon buckets and on his even day, when he filled up his car, he opened his trunk and filled the five five-gallon buckets in his trunk and went home. And on odd days, Pastor Don had gas. We weren't all stupid. Well, if I'm driving around with five five-gallon cans of gas in my trunk, maybe I was. Maybe I'm just now realizing that was a bomb waiting to happen. So we saw that energy. We saw the moon landing. I remember the moon landing in 69 as a child. And we saw the end of the Cold War. Our motto, not, not the boomer motto, but this generation motto, was work smarter, not harder. Now, that's pretty good. 
work smarter, not harder. They virtually became self-reliant, but they didn't trust or respect authority. The generation that's just past us, folks, many of us, they they became very self-reliant, but the problem with that was they did not trust or respect authority. They enjoyed the pleasure of work. They enjoyed working, but they often moved from job to job. They like to get their good job done, do a great job, but move on. They don't want to stay. You know, even in my generation, the boomer, we would like to stay 45 years at a place and retire. This Generation X, you care about that. Just do a good job, move on, do a good job, move on, do a good job, move on. They weren't too interested in being advanced where they were at. They didn't care about becoming the top. They didn't want to be the boss. Move on. Then came the millennial, the millennial generation. They were born between 1981 and 2000. This is the technology generation. This is where Pastor Don got left behind. The the technology generation never sleeps. Never sleeps. Think about your grandkids now. Your grandkids, and they never sleep. They're constantly, their they're, they're families of this generation are often mixed or merged together, and they often had, even though were different families mixed together, would have one adult, and that they didn't have mom and dad. It was either mom or dad. They were influenced by 9-11, terrorism, the digital media, school shootings, AIDS epidemic, gay marriage legalization, police violence, TV talk shows, that's what influenced this generation. Ambitious, but unfocused, and often they need guidance. Here's the, here's the sad part about this, this generation. When you look at it, they were very ambitious, but they weren't focused, and they always need guidance, someone to direct them. They're glued to their gadgets. This generation, gadgets in every pocket, in every hand, sometimes two in each hand, one on each foot. They can operate them with their toes. They do it. They see superior education as a requirement to be successful. There's not a thing wrong with superior education, but it's not the end all. And they think that once they get their degree, second degree, third degree, fourth degree, doctorate, those are all great, but they just continue getting degrees, never applying any of them. They think it's the end all. They've arrived That's where this generation is sitting right now. I understand as the grandfather that those are the ones that are going to be supporting me. Mm. Then we have Generation Z, born after 2000. Talking about generations today, born after 2000. Now, they're very similar. That's, that's the modern group that around us. They're very similar to millennials so far. There's, there's not a lot of difference between the, the new generation that's here and the millennials. There's not, not a big difference between them. Uh, and Judges 2 reminds us of what happened just a generation after Joshua passed. My question is, how long was it before they knew not God? How long was it the generation that came after Joshua and his generation. How long was it before they knew not God? As long as Joshua lived, idolatry was in check. You remember this? Go serve the pagan gods. Go do whatever you want to do. 
Now, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That was the leadership in Joshua's day. But what happened after that? There was nobody there to draw a line. Think about the generations that have come since the greatest generation in our country. With my parents, when I lived in their house, you can go out and do all that stuff you're doing, but you're not going to live here. We're going to serve the Lord here in this house. But did my generation learn to draw the line? You see, something happened in the boomer generation. We felt like that the greatest generation was the meanest generation. After all, they're making us do things we don't want to do. And so when you look at the days of Joshua, you, you look how after they had all passed, his influence did carry, even after he passed, did carry to some of his contemporaries. The problem was it didn't carry on into the families. Knowing the Lord and knowing about the Lord are not the same thing. Knowing the Lord and knowing about the Lord is not the same thing. Way before Adam and Eve had children, Adam knew of Eve. But when they decided to have children, Adam knew Eve. Does it make sense? That's what the word know or knew is talking about. It's an intimate relationship. And so there came a place when they didn't have an intimate relationship with God any longer. One generation later, no, they, they forgot the Lord they forgot all the stories. You know what? Joshua had some stories to tell. Joshua's people had some stories to tell. They had gone through a lot of stuff. They had gone through deserts and cross and battle enemies, and they had gone through all kinds of things trying to survive. They got to tr- cross over Jordan. They, all, they had some stories to tell about their God. Here's the problem, folks. We have, listen, there's many of us that, there are some people in here that you're first generation apostolic style people. You've got some stories. You've seen some things. You've seen God do some things. You've seen, I mean, I'm telling you, I have seen God. God has done things to me. God has healed me and God has provided for me. And and I've seen people healed and I've seen all kinds of things right in front of my very eyes. Y'all saw my hip healed here. Now pray for my knees, please. My hip is great. God healed me right here. We've seen it. That's stories we can tell, but what will the next generation do? Will they rely on those stories? Because that doesn't work too well. Stories don't work too well. We can talk about telling the stories of the good old days when God really moved, but you know what? The next generation needs to have their own good old days where God really moves, where God really moves. That's got to happen, and that didn't happen in that second generation after Joshua. To know Him, the Scripture says, is to love Him, and to love Him is to keep His commandments. To know God is to love Him, and to love Him is to keep His commandments. John said that if you say you know God, that you say you love God, but you don't keep His commandments, he, this not, don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. He put, he put it in the book. But this is what John wrote. He said, if you say that, if you say, I love the Lord, but you don't keep His commandments, that's the sayings, you're a liar. You're a liar. And, and he also said, all liars. Paul said, all liars will be cast. You can't be a liar and make it. But you can't say, I love God and not keep the commandments. You're lying. That's what happened to this next generation. 
That's what each time a generation comes along, if they don't have a renewed experience, what happens? They become a group of liars. When you don't have your own experience, when your experience has to be what's told you. I said this before, I'm going to say again, I'll move on. I'm getting pretty stout here and I can feel it. If somebody told you that you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they had to tell you that, I can tell you the very right where I was. Well, that's just happened to be your experience, Pastor Don. No, there was a bunch of people around me getting the same experience, and it's happened for years since. I know exactly when the Holy Ghost came into my life. I know exactly when it happened. I know exactly where I was sitting. Left side, three pews, three people over. Janet was sitting here. I know exactly, I can tell you. And I remember lifting my hand saying, God, I'm sorry for the slug I've been. Would you just forgive me? And I'm looking around after that thinking, well, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Because I did. Listen, when you repent, you feel pretty good. You know, you, you've wiped, you're wiping the slate clean. With God, you're, you're saying, God, listen, I'm sorry. And God, he loves repentance. No man cometh to God except the Spirit call him. And it's repentance. All of us are called into repentance. I remember that. But you know what? I knew as a good old denominal boy, man, there's something else going on here. And then I saw these people worshiping around me. So I decided, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. Now, I'm going to give God a worship he deserves. He, he just heard me. And, man, no sooner than I gave him a worship, he gave me a song. And I began to just speak with other tongues. I know that something all that freaks you out. Speak in other tongues. It, the power of the Holy Ghost came upon me. I can tell you exactly when it happened. But that's not a story my kids can live on. That's not a story my grandkids can live on. They got to have their experience and their generation. When they don't, the generations begin to degrade and degrade. To know Him is to have a have a relationship with Him. That's what it means to know him. Galatians 5, he's no longer are we servants, but we're sons and daughters. That's a relationship. It wasn't that next generation after Joshua was, was completely unaware of God. It wasn't that when everybody died off, this next generation, they didn't all of a sudden go, oop, oop, forgot God. Well, who's he? That, that's not what happened here. It's not that they just didn't know who God was. They still knew who God was. They knew who the God of their fathers were. They knew who the God of their mothers were. They knew who the God that their parents were serving. They'd heard the stories from the previous generation. They knew about God. The generation that knew the acts and the works of the Lord died, and this next generation simply chose not to have a relationship. Plain and simple. They simply chose. to. So they knew God. They knew of the, all what God can do and what He would do. They just simply chose to not have a relationship with the God that their parents had. They simply chose not to honor God as God. I'm no longer going to honor God as God. That's what he did for my parents. That's what happened in that generation. So what did they do? What every single person that lives will do. They will find another God. It's in us. It's innate in us. If you don't believe, go to the deepest, darkest places in the world where there's no gospel preached, there's nothing, and you will find people that are worshiping a God. It's innate in our nature as human beings to find a God. We know there's something greater than us. And if we don't worship the true God, we will find another God. See, we're all going to worship something. We're all, you're, you're going to worship. Well, no, you know, I really don't. When I get away from here, I don't really worship anything. Well, if that's the case, you're worshiping yourself. 
It's all about self. When you're about self, you're worshiping self. So now you've made self God. Good luck. Good luck. God said, listen, if you want to do those things, if you want to do that, okay, I'll turn you over to a flipped up mind and you'll be messed up. Good luck. We can't afford to do that. We got, we got to live on today's experience. We were created to worship in the beginning. Now, again, I'm, I preface this in the office. I'm going to say it again. This may seem like heresy to some of you. Which is the most important thing today that we did? Have worship or have preaching? Which is more important? Wor- worship, word, which was more important? Worship, word. All right. Let's just break this down because this is very simple. Adam and Eve were created, and they were created, and they were a worship to God. So before sin ever existed, and before preaching ever existed, worship existed. Sin comes into the picture. Now we need preaching. Now we need preaching. At some point in time, this is all going to be done. We won't need preaching anymore, but we'll still have worship. Worship's been all the way through. But here's the thing. One's not more important than the other. Here's how we know. When it was time for God's people to go and do, God sent worship ahead. God sent worship ahead so that the performance of God's Word could happen. It takes both. You've got to have both. Worship plows the ground for Word. Worship brings your heart to a place to receive Word. So there's not one more important than the other. And why is Pastor Don saying this? Because here's what's happened in our generation. Some people come and, man, they enjoy the Word, and once Pastor Don gets up here, and maybe it's because I'm a dumb old country boy, that, you know, that's what you got. They just flip it off. I'm done. I'm not hearing the rest of it. Some people come and, man, they don't worship. Here's their worship. If they pat their foot, man, they're in it. That's their worship. But preaching, they'll be with you till you get, you, they'll preach you under the pews. And it takes both. It being involved in both. And what happens is when you get away from God, you get away from Word, and then you go worship something else. Sin is this downward spiral that will drive your heart deeper and deeper and deeper into corrupt. Well, you know, I can sin. I guess God will forgive me. And we, that happens, right? Anybody here didn't sin this week? Man, you're powerful, powerful, powerful. God bless you. Teach me how not to do that. There's, there's sin that happens in our lives. But if we continually do it on a purposeful, purposeful, purposeful reason, purposeful pace, what we've done is we're, we're slowly spiraling down to a corrupt heart. And that's what happened to the... Re- the generation after Joshua. They forgot God. They went after other gods. So sin crept in. They did evil, the Bible says. They did evil. What happened? Sin brought them into corruption. When God's mercy and grace no longer affected their heart, idolatry set in. Be very careful. You know, there was a time in my life when I, you've heard the term backslide, is in Scripture, when I backslid away from God. But be very careful when you do that. Because when you backslide, and can I give you really what backslide is? You want to really know what it is? This is living for God. I'm loving God. Uh, there's no such thing as this. This is, I'm not living for God like I should, and I'm not. You're either going forward or backwards in God. Jesus said, don't try to ride the fence. It's not going to work. You can't do it. You're living for God or you're not. 
And so when I was not living for God like I should have, what happens? Sin then begins to cause my heart to degrade into corruption. And I do things that I know God told me not to do. I've read them. I've been taught them. I know what God, but that's what happens. And what will finally happen if you allow that to, if you know I'm doing something I shouldn't do, and I'm, I'm, you know, I want to get out of it, and I'm trying, that's great. But if you decide, you know what, I'm going to do it anyway, so I'm just going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, the next thing you're going to find yourself in is worshiping another God. Worshiping another God. Generations. Generations. When it says they knew not God, it simply means they stopped recognizing God as God in their life. That's what it means. After Joshua, there was just lack of true leadership. After Joshua, there was a lack of true leadership. And what we've seen in America, after the greatest generation, leadership began to slip. And generation eight began to slip. Each generation, our leadership has gotten worse and worse and worse. And we can start at the top and go to the bottom, start at the bottom and go to the top. It goes from family to the top of government. Our, our leadership has gotten worse and worse. Worse and worse. I first had a thought in my mind earlier. And I was just talking to the Lord about the sermon. And, you know, Lord, I want to be nice and sweet. And he said, well, that's, that's nice and sweet, but that's... Let's, let's be, let's, basically, he said, why don't you be honest today? Listen, when God tells you something like that, you just... There's no one to draw the line in the sand anymore about serving God. What's happened is we allow people to serve God as they, you know, I have my relationship with God as I, as I see it needs to be. This, this book tells you to have a, how to have a relationship with God. Anything outside this book is false doctrine. Anything outside this book is not the way to live for God. Well, I can do this, this, and this, and I, but I don't have to, you know, it's okay to lie a little bit, especially if I need to do this. You know, I really need that loan, so I'm going to lie and say I'm making this much money. I'm really not. You know. Man, it's quiet. Are we part of this generation that has forgotten God? Are we part of this generation that has forgotten God? Or are we going to choose this day whom we will serve? You know, as well, what happened after the old people died? There was a lack of learning. The lack of learning brought a faithlessness. They didn't learn. Their faith couldn't increase. The sad thing today is we live in a generation that's reaping the blessings sown in the previous one, and each generation has been doing that rather than developing their own relationship and planting the seeds of blessing in their life in their own generation. They want to live off someone else. You ever saw someone, this is a sad thing, y'all. I'm about done. Have you ever seen someone that lives off grandma's religion? They live off of grandma's religion. Because grandma was a Christian, and she took me to church. That makes me a Christian. Well, if grandma took you to, I guess, the garage, would that make you a car? No. But there are a lot of people that live on grandma's experience rather than having their own experience. And so what happens, that generation degrades. Listen, let's, let's talk about it. I'll finish here, y'all. Most churches offer the maximum in entertainment and the minimum in important instruction today. Most churches 
offer the maximum of entertainment. You find, especially mega churches, maximum and the minimum in important instruction. Churches will be filled to capacity today because they're entertained, but let a Bible study break out and watch the crowd flee. Watch the crowd flee. As long as it's entertaining, we can fill the house. Y'all, we can fill this house next week. There's a group I could bring in here that most of you listen to on Christian radio station that if we announced they were here, this place would be full. It's entertainment. But if I was to announce next week that we're going to have a Bible study, I went there, didn't I? We've sugar-coated sermons. Let me talk about me. Y'all tired of hearing about you? Want to hear about me a little bit? We sugarcoat sermons to make it sound sweet so we can just have a good retirement. If I can stay here for 20 years and make everybody happy and have them keep paying their tithes, I'm going to retire a happy man. That's in a lot of churches today. I know people that are doing this. There's some, I don't want to say former friends, but previous friends that I just don't really talk to them anymore. Their whole reason... They don't mind telling you, man, I'm going to retire good. I'm going to retire good. They mind telling you. Sugar-coated sermons. Light of, <clears throat> have you been to the church? We don't have that. We had it. We got rid of it. Remember those things we had up here? Light effects? Yeah. We don't have those anymore. That's not what this is about. It's not about light effects. It's not about big screens. I'm glad we have these because it helps us with, but it's not about having big screens. I, I, I've watched some of the churches where the people are worshiping, and the whole time they're worshiping, they're, not, they're watching the big screen so they can watch themselves. Come, come on, let's get down to some gravy and potatoes here. Uh, yeah. Do we know God? Do we, do you know God? Verse 13 says that they forsook the Lord, served Baal and Asheroth. Baal was the reigning God of possessions in that day. Baal was the reigning God of possessions in that day. In order to possess things, those that worship Baal, they were required to worship him in order to get more possessions and more possessions and more possessions. The reigning God of possession. Today, people are more interested in gaining possessions than they are knowing God. That's pastors. Now, let's talk about the saints. There are pastors who are more interested in possessions than knowing God. The prosperity gospel has perverted God's Word, perverted God's Word, claiming that God's reward for true faith is increased wealth and possessions and health. That's a perversion of God's Word. Either that or Jesus and Paul were right out of luck. but that's the perversion of God's Word today. Remember this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God wants all your heart. He wants all your heart. He's not going to have a place in your... Listen, don't fool yourself. God's not going to have a closet in your heart. He's not going to have a door in your heart. He's going to have all your heart or none of your heart. He's not going to have a little bit of it. That's just... That's God. He wants all of you. Asherah was the goddess of pleasure. 
It says they went and served Baal. And what were they doing? They were serving the God of possessions, and they were serving the God of, goddess of pleasure. She was a goddess of the Phoenicians, and she was related to fertility. The Phoenicia area was a very huge agricultural area, and it demanded a lot of hands in the field. And so it was very important for families to have large families so they could work their agricultural farms. And so they, they really needed to worship this goddess in order to have the fertility to have lots of family. That's, they would often legitimize their wickedness, their sexual wickedness in the guise of their religion. In my eye, does that not sound familiar? Are we the generation that has forgotten God? During that time, there was also another God, Moloch. It's not Scripture, but when you read in the Hebrew uh, literature, Moloch was the God of position. And so this was a fire God of the Am- Amorites, or Ammonites, rather. And they, it was, it was, uh, they even had a statue. This is horrible. They had a statue of Moloch, and the statue where the hands were outstretched like this, bronze statue. Inside the belly of the statue was a fire that kept burning all the time. And so if a man wanted to gain a higher status, a position in, the, in Phoenicia, he would take his newborn children and he would put them on the arms of that statue and they would roll down into that fire and he would offer them a sacrifice so that he could serve this goddess, this god rather, and gain position. Are we offering our children? Are we, have we forgot, are we, do our, no, we don't have a bronze statue. But are we offering our children up to Moloch? Are they more important than us in a position? Are our positions more important? Are possessions more important? Are all these things more important to us than our children? Stand it with me if you would. As I was praying a little last night, I said, Lord, this is pretty sobering, pretty sobering. And I've never heard God or never felt God's, you know, impression, but God just seemed to impress to me, you need to sober up. That's what he spoke to me in my spirit. You need to sober up. You're a pastor. You need to sober up. You need to understand the gravity. You're, too, too many of us are worried about who's going to be the next president. I'm concerned about my country. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to say here. But when I came through those doors today, all of the president stuff dropped at the door. When I came through those doors today to be in the presence of God with God's people, all, all of my, what I feel about government, all of my political views, it all stopped right out there. None of that has any effect on me when it comes to my God. And my, that doesn't affect God either. God's concerns, he's not concerned about, let's don't, this is going to upset some of you. He's not concerned whether the Democrat or Republican wins. He doesn't care if Dallas or Miami wins the Super Bowl. He doesn't care if the Suns or if the Bucks win NBA championship. Oh, yeah, he cares, he cares about people. All this stuff that we've invented, we think God cares about, and we're spending all our time 
And those areas of life, when it's the people that God cares about. Who are the heroes in America? Somebody tell me. Pretty much sports figures. Not a military figure. Most of our kids that have hero worship hate the military. Whether you like it or not, your kid's going to hate your politics. Going to hate your politics. It's the next generation. And what God wants us to listen, there's always going to be the next generation. The next generation. What I've noticed uh, in studying the history of our country is that there will be a generation like the greatest generation. And they'll be a generation like, they'll, they'll, they'll really love God. They'll really serve God. And they'll really mean it with their families. This is my family. Don't you, you don't cross the threshold and don't, you know, don't do anything to my family. Now a lot of guys will just run and see what happens to their family. That's a shame, but it's the way it is. That generation was really wholesome. Did they have problems? Absolutely. But then comes along with the generation like my generation. Like, we live in off of, we didn't get our own we're going to live off what they did. We can get it ourselves. And then the next generation after me comes, and that third generation is like, you know what? We're not going to live off of y'all. Y'all, y- y'all are idiots. And it just falls on its face. It comes to that fourth generation, and for some reason the fourth generation goes, hey, we're missing something here. We lost something here. So my prayer today is that we're in the fourth generation. We realize, hey, we're missing something here. We lost something. It's not too late to get it back. It's not too late to know God. They simply chose not to have a relationship with God. A relationship with God is very important, church. Very important. Because a relationship doesn't just mean you had a one-time event in your life. And it doesn't mean that you have an event once a month in your life. And it doesn't mean that once a week you have an event in your life and that's your relationship. That's not a relationship. Try living with your husband or wife on a yearly basis. Once a, once a year y'all meet together and you do the hand, and then, then you don't, or how, how about once a month? Try, try living, some of us might like, you know, Jenna might like living without me for about a month. <laughs> I like it. But don't, you try it and see what happens. You know what happens? There's no relationship. At best, there's a little bit of verbiage. Once a month. Once a week. I'm quite sure she'd like... (laughs) Really. What if you and your wife, your husband, met once a week that day, and you discuss, and then for the rest of the week, you're... Young guys and gals, what if you were dating somebody? And they went, I'm taking you out on Saturday. Yes. It was a month later before they ever called you and said, you want to go out on another date? I did that. Yeah, the first question I got was, why haven't you called me? The first question. You know why? Because that person wanted a relationship. And a relationship with God is a daily thing. Because what happens when we don't have a relationship with God on a daily per- If we don't, the fundamental of loving God and loving people as yourself, that's the fundamental. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. The fundamental, if we don't even have that down, 
we don't have a true relationship with, with God. God's speaking to the church today. Do I, love, do I keep God's commandments? Have you ever broken a commandment of God? Man, I hit all ten, and I went backwards, forwards, up and down, around the side, got them all. Then when Jesus made it easier for me, I even messed up worse. Jesus said, you know, the Ten Commandments, the Moses, listen, we can solve this. Here is the real commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, thank you, Jesus. That made it a lot easier for me. Boy, did I mess that up royally. You know why I messed it up royally? I just didn't have a relationship. And so I'm asking you today, church. God, God's asking us today. Do we know Him? Do we know Him? You ever been in a conversation in a crowd and you speak to someone and they say, Do I know you? That's a weird feeling. If that's ever happened to you, that's happened to me before. You have a weird feeling in your stomach. It's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of like, I thought I was a part of this group. It's kind of like, I thought I was a pretty good person, but now I'm on the outside all of a sudden just because the person asked me, do, you know, do I know you? The day will come, listen, church, the day will come when we stand before the Lord. Lord, I was the pastor of the church. Man, we cast out devils. We laid hands on the sick and they recovered. We spoke with new tongues. And the Lord can say, uh, depart from me. I, I never knew you. I, the works, I, yeah, that's the works of the Lord. That's not your, Jesus said this was going to happen. They're going to say, didn't we all do these great things? And the Lord's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you know him today? Church, we've got to get back to knowing Him. The true dynamic of intercession, supplication, prayer. I was studying prayer this week. And as I was studying it, I was heartbroken within myself because I have this deal of praying and it's subject to one of the many different types of prayers. There are prayers that are simply worship. They include no intercession, no supplication, no, it's just a prayer of praise and includes nothing else. Wow. There's prayers when I earnestly ask God, supplication. There's intercession for people when people need things. What am I saying? God is saying, sober up. God is saying, sober up. Don't endanger your soul. Don't endanger your family's souls. Your children, don't endanger them. Sober up. As we say today to the guys, man up. Man up. And know Him. I'm not going to the days gone by. I do remember the days in altars where the entire church was at the altar. And the altar service lasted much longer than the preaching. 
Y'all imagine that, because I've been preaching a little long today. But why was that? You know what it was? People were, I'm not asking you to come up and make this a long altar. I'm not, because these people did it because they were just looking for something from God. They just wanted that relationship. What I'm saying is that the gas will last long after the altar is over. When you leave here and you go home and you go to your place of work and you go to your school, your places where you uh, shop, those kind of things, that relationship has to keep. And if we don't do that, church, we're going to be the generation that knew not God. Not because we, listen, in this church, not because of me, but we know of God. We, We can't get around that one. We, we try to teach the truth and teach the book and not teach out of other books. And not, but do we know Him? I shudder to think that I would stand before God and Him say, you know, you sure knew a lot. He's not going to say that to me, but you sure knew a lot. But I'm going to all these altars this morning. We can decide to know of God. We can decide to know of what our parents and their situation. We can decide to know, hey, my parents had a relationship and because they, I'm good and safe. We can, we can do that. We can live, hear the stories of revivals. and you know, We're not going back to that, I wish it was like the old days. I don't want it to be like the old days. I want it to be like the new days of what God is really doing right now. He's doing an amazing and powerful thing right now in this country and in this world. And if you don't know it, you're missing it. He's doing something really big. But He wants us, He wants to know us. And it's not that He doesn't know you. It's that you don't know Him. And because you don't know Him, He can eventually say, I never knew you. He's given you an opportunity to not hear those words. He's given you an opportunity to not stand before Him and hear that, I never knew you, by saying, come and know me. Come and know me today. Lord, I realize this is a sobering message and no apologies, God. This is the word you've given us today. This is the word for all of us today. And God, we as your people, we as your church, we understand that we're just a generation away from not knowing you. And we kind of chron- went through our chronological order, an order of what's happened in the last few generations here in America. And we see how easily things have turned in our lives, just in regular life. We didn't speak of any, really anything about you in that order. Because when we change like we have, then we know we've changed in you. God, somehow I pray that we're the generation that says, stop. God, I pray today that we're the generation that says we're missing something. We're missing God. God, we don't want to be the generation that doesn't know you. We want to be the generation that, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you. God, help us to not look to be popular. Help us to not look to be someone that would be fun to be around. Those things are great. That that we wouldn't base everything on entertainment. God, maybe if we just entertained your presence, 
Maybe if you were the popular one in our family. Maybe if our fun came from you, our lives would change immediately. God, this is your people. You've put me as the servant here, the under-shepherd. This is your people here, God. Every person here, Lord, your child, your daughter, your son, rekindle in us the Holy Ghost. Reignite the fire in us that we serve the real and true and living God. God, we're just a bunch of Gentiles that are here today because we serve a true and living God. We're just a bunch of Gentiles, Lord, that was able to be found and that the gospel changed our lives. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. God, I want to know you today. Church, I'm just asking you in your way to reach out. Just speak to the Lord today. So solidify your, your relationship. Rekindle, re-strengthen. Maybe you've never really been what we used to call on fire. What that meant in our day when you were on fire for God, that simply meant that everything you did was God-based. Was God-based. It didn't mean you were running around and slapped people in the head with a Bible. It meant that everything you did, every decision you made, every, every person you met, every friend that became your friend, all God-based. And that's where God wants us to be. So reach out to the Lord right now. You've got a few minutes. God, renew us. Renew me today. In Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.